0: Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, Warren Treaty, Sunny War, Charlie Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org.
1: Today on CityCast Denver, the Academy Awards are coming up this Sunday, so we're taking a look at the stories shaping the local movie scene. Which nominees have Colorado connections? What do we have to do to see more of our beautiful state up on the big screen? And which local theater has Canadians to thank for its continued splendor? Grab some popcorn because today I'm sitting down with our newsletter editor and major film buff, Adrian Gonzalez, to talk movies, movies, movies. Today is Tuesday, March 7th. I'm Paul Caroli in for Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver. Uh, My name is Paul Caroli. I'm sitting here at the Jewish Community Center on location with our newsletter editor, Adrian Gonzalez. Adrian, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, good morning, Paul. Happy to be here. Yeah,
1: and where where are we? We're in an exciting place here today. The Jewish Community Center of Denver recording on location. Uh, they invited us out here because uh, they're doing their annual Sadaka for Kids fundraiser, and uh, we're participating. We're helping getting the word out about that this year. Um, if you're not familiar with the JCC, it's an organization dedicated to creating an inclusive atmosphere that enables personal growth, education, health, wellness, and the arts nowhere else in the denver metro area can one go to drop a child off at preschool attend a ceramics class see a personal fitness trainer swim outdoors and attend cultural events such as the denver jewish film festival all in one place um like i said we're here because they're doing a fundraiser um and if you're listening to this on tuesday march 7th then it is still running and you can still donate if you want to help out with uh all the great summer camps and English as a Second Language programs that they do here. Now's the time. Check out the link in our show notes to learn more. But we're here to talk about a very fun topic. We've been looking forward to this for a while, Adrian. Yes. Movies. Movies. There's so much happening with movies in Denver, across Colorado right now. We thought, you know, the Oscars are coming up. Let's save up all these good juicy stories and just talk (laughs) through them all in
2: one batch. Love that. Thank you, Paul. I'm really excited. The vibe in here is... It's very exciting. It is and,
1: fun. It is fun to be here.
2: Yeah. Reminds me of a lot of uh, telethons that I used to watch where you would watch movie stars sit and make phone calls and try to ask people for money for donations. And it's a really nostalgic feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's where we're at. I have been promised that there's going to be a parade of kids in costume coming through. I think that's a part of Purim. It's Purim right now. Purim, yes. So uh, we may have to take a little break for a, a kids costume parade later on. But we're talking
2: movies. Oscars this weekend. How about we start there? Let's talk about the Oscars. Who is going to get slapped this year? What do you think? <laughs> I, hope <nobody. laughs> I hope nobody. I hope nobody. I hope That was an awful occurrence and hope that, hope that no, nobody else gets slapped. I can't ever believe again. it was
1: a year ago that, that happened.
2: Was, I, I, I mean, the, the way that I scream when that happened. But anyway, let's talk about the Oscars. There's going to be some Coloradans in attendance. That's right.
1: Uh, we've got Samuel D. Hunter, he wrote The Whale kind of an interesting story behind this one so the whale is that movie about um, uh, Brendan Fraser plays a, 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 a overweight person
2: yes and uh, yeah. it's a
1: story about him and his his daughter have you seen that one
2: I have I've seen it a couple times um, we had it at the Denver Film Festival when I was with them and I got a chance to meet Samuel Hunter It's a it's a heavy movie it is it's, it's really just takes place in a room. It's Brendan Fraser and a few characters coming through. It's it's a heavy movie but it was incredibly written and-,
1: and and it's got its roots right here in Denver. He he wrote this as a play and it uh I guess was uh premiered as part of the New Place Summit back in 2011. That's a, a DCPA program. And now it's been nominated for all sorts of Academy Awards. So how about that? 12-year yeah. journey.
2: Started right here in Denver.
1: Good luck, Samuel D. Hunter. Um, there's this other person who I was not familiar with, a Colorado Academy graduate named Shane Boris, who is from Littleton. He, he's nominated because he produced two of the five films nominated for Best Documentary.
2: Yeah, that's right. Navalny is one of them, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen, but it is on HBO. I, I, it's on my list. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one, Paul? The other one is Fire of Love. That's right. Fire of Love. I love this movie. This is a great movie. This is about uh, two scientists that, uh, it's not a spoiler, it's in the part of, part of the <laughs> movie. Mm-hmm. They die in a volcano explosion. Uh, they die doing what they love, and it follows, follows their story. It's a really heartwarming and, and just a really good angle on, on a love story.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I did not finish it. I watched the first 30 minutes of Fire of Love. I think I will probably try to finish it before this weekend. But it's cool that this Denverite guy is behind two of the five.
2: I actually didn't know that was him. I, I saw this originally at, at Sundance a couple years ago and had no idea that it had ties to Denver.
1: I had no idea you were such a big movie guy. I knew you worked at Denver Film. What's your relationship with movies? I
2: love movies, Paul. I grew up watching movies. Um, The fun experience of being an immigrant and being from Mexico, I grew up watching so many movies Mm -hmm. dubbed in Spanish Mm -hmm. because you get all the big Hollywood releases and they, they release them in Mexico a little bit later, dubbed in Spanish, sometimes subtitles, but as a kid, you don't want to, you can't read subtitles. So it was fun to come and rediscover all of my favorites and then listen to the weird English voices. Uh, in some of my favorite movies, uh, one of them notably *A Bug's Life*. I love *A Bug's Life*. Mm. That was a weird one to listen to in English. Um, shout out to *Shrek* too. That has a great cast. One of the better dubbed <laughs> Spanish movies. Okay, but I loved Shrek it. I'm coming two. to the U.S. Man, that was <laughs> that was part of my growing up as an American experience to to get to experience film and culture and yeah, just always been a film lover. Well. Adrian, let's move on to our next topic.
1: This is something that you and I have both we've been talking about this for a while cuz there's something changing with the way Colorado incentivizes film productions in the state. This film incentive program. Yes. I know you looked into this a little bit. Can you explain maybe we should start with just what that program even is?
2: Yeah, so it's the Colorado Film Incentive Program and essentially they're they're a program that incentivizes film production in Colorado. Now, now that, that doesn't just mean movies. Uh, that's okay. documentaries. Uh, that uh, also encompasses video game creation. Uh, huh. So it's really more of a broad, creative film in a more open way. Okay, interesting. So that includes television series, streaming series, music videos, which we have a great music video scene here, uh, industrials, documentaries, video games, uh, as well as feature films. So essentially what it does is it creates an incentive that gives you 20% off write-off, tax write-off for film productions that are set in Colorado. Um, And one of the requirements that they have is you'd need to have at least 50% of your workforce be in Colorado, be Colorado. And so it helps create jobs for Coloradans, essentially. Um, Now there's a a few other uh, obstacles, I guess I would call them, that you have to to apply to get this incentive. Uh, one of them also, an important one, is that your production has to at least have $100,000 worth of qualifying expenses. And then they give you 20% back on those qualifying expenses. Um, it's it's a little tricky, which is part of what the study uh, that we're going to talk about gets into.
1: Yeah. So before we get into that study, actually, why is this important? Why does this matter? Like, How would this affect Regular, like moviegoers life? How would someone understand what this is?
2: That's a great question. I think, um, you know, one of the examples that I come back to, and this is more on on a a different side, but The Last of Us, if any of you are watching this show, there was a moment in an episode recently that uh, they land in Colorado It's Mm -hmm. part of the video game, and they go to the quote-unquote University of Eastern Colorado that looks suspiciously like CSU, Mm -hmm. which is not in Eastern Colorado, it's in Northern Colorado, but was filmed in Canada. Partially because of the incentives, partially also that the production is is set there. But really what they say is, is that it creates a vision of what Colorado is to outsiders. So it creates a tourism draw to Colorado. Okay. Like when you see a movie about Colorado and it's set there and then you could see, you know, something like this, like the JCC. Right.
1: And that's like an actual thing that's in Colorado, not Alberta being, you know, cast as Colorado. which Right would create a distorted idea. So it's both to support the local film industry and professional creatives here, and to convey a message about what Colorado is to the world. A little yes. bit of both. So tell me about this study. Why why is a study happening? What is the study of?
2: Uh, the study was commissioned by Denver Arts and Venues uh, and Colorado Creative Industries, which are two city-run organizations. They, they wanted to look at the industry as a whole and what they were missing or what, what they were seeing in uh, in the Colorado film industry. Uh, and they found that between 2011 and 2019, Colorado's film industry grew faster than the national average at 49%, hmm. uh, 43%, excuse me. But it also found, I think the important key part of the study is that the lack of incentives and the hardship for folks to get these incentives uh, in Colorado productions was really harmful. And then it was exacerbated by the COVID 19 pandemic, which is a really key finding. I think we had a an industry a film industry that is leading across the nation. We employ a lot of folks, but during the pandemic, we also lost more of those film industry jobs than the national average
1: so we 're it's the study seems to be saying that we 're missing opportunities that we have the talent we have the resources, but because we are not offering these incentives we 're not being competitive with i guess other states
2: we 're fi- essentially the study finds that there is a huge opportunity. As a Colorado industry, we could be really creating a lot of different jobs and a lot of, uh, and a lot of money for the state. But because these incentives are not well set up, we're missing those opportunities. I'll read a quote here from Margaret Hunt, who was the former director of uh, Colorado Creative Industries, one of the folks that commissioned this study. She says, quote, We found that this industry represents an incredible opportunity, both economically and culturally, and the industry's success would be beneficial for all Coloradans. So part of the big thing okay. that they're proposing... Wrapping up the whole report Mm -hmm. is creating a committee that gets together and looks at these incentives in a more wholesome way. Uh, This committee would be in charge of looking at collective strategy for how these incentives would be built. Uh, They would be building equitable representation into these incentives, which is also another complaint, and build a better infrastructure for folks to be able to connect with other filmmakers and artists in Colorado.
0: There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com.
1: Well, speaking of, uh, of Canada, maybe that'd be a good segue for our next topic. The state of Denver theaters. Lots of sad news in this area. Yes. But I thought we might start with a, uh, a nice story from the past. And I learned this actually from uh, a book you lent me, Adrian, a few weeks ago after I uh, talked to former mayor Federico Pena. His recent memoir tells the story of how the Mayan theater was saved in the 80s. Yes. What a great story. What a great you, story. Are you familiar? Yes. Okay. Well, for listeners who aren't, the story is in like the mid to late 80s, there was a bank, a Canadian bank, was buying up property on that block of South Broadway where the Mayan is. The Mayan, obviously this beautiful, iconic, 100-year-old some movie house. One of a few of that style still standing in this country. Um, so this bank was buying up property. They were intending to demolish it. Some neighbors got together trying to save the Mayan. They got in touch with Federico Pena. He was like, yeah, let's try to do this. This is a special building. So he calls up his friend, Pat Bolan, owner of the Broncos, <laughs> who, people might not know this, is Canadian. <laughs> Pat Bolan uses his secret Canada connections, calls up the bank, convinces them not to do it, and to save the Mayan. As a result, we have this beautiful theater still today.
2: Still out there, still alive, still and, and actually uh, playing some of the, the Oscar-nominated films right now. Um, I, I love the name... Canada Connections. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a good good name for a task force, maybe even a punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what a great story. I, I actually had forgotten. I, uh, I also read the book. And I love the Mayan. Obviously, as a film lover, that's uh, the most uncomfortable seat in the entire city, probably state. <laughs> but it's so worth it.
1: It is. It is. I think it's probably my favorite place to see a movie. Oh, that's Denver. great. Yeah. But I agree with you about the seats. They're not super comfortable. <laughs> and the lack of air conditioning in the summer is not the nicest. <laughs> but... It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful building. Actually, you know, you mentioned that they're playing um, the the Oscar nominees right now. I, I we got a, a email from a listener who flagged that this is not so much the case anymore. The landmark, the company, the chain that owns the Mayan. I think they've changed something about the way they program their movies. Maybe you know about. Yes,
2: this. yeah. So this is this is part of a. Um well, I guess, where do we start? I'm going to start with actually saying something that maybe might be a hot take, but I think the Landmark landmark Theaters builds itself to seem like a small independent theater. Mm-hmm. And so you go to the Esquire, to the J.R.T.'s, the the Mayan, and, and they they have that feeling, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like a small independent theater. The Landmark is a national chain. They have a huge lineup of theaters across the country. Mm-hmm. And they were actually part of a lawsuit with several uh, non-profit independent theaters, Across the nation, some in New York um actually Denver film was part of uh, part of that lawsuit uh claiming that they were essentially siphoning off their art house movies, so they build themselves as these independent theaters and then they play some of the movies that uh that would essentially play at some of the local art houses, like the c Film Center mm-hmm. right and some of those other theaters uh and essentially cannibalize some of the profits that they would have. And then those profits end up going to a bigger chain like Landmark. And not a burn on on, on Landmark, on on the Mayan independently. But so essentially what they were doing is programming these art house titles that typically you don't see at like an AMC or a Regal. Mm -hmm. And through the pandemic and the hardship that all these movie theaters went through, they shifted a little bit. And now you'll see a Marvel movie. I believe this weekend they're playing Creed 3, which is not a film that you would... Usually, see, that's a film you would go to the AMC and sit in your recliner and, and have the whole big kind of blockbuster experience. Uh, so, they're shifting a little bit now and playing some of these bigger films. It's
1: really interesting that they're doing this. I find it a little bit sad because I think that's going to mean that these art house movies are a little bit less available on the big screen. I mean, obviously, streaming is another factor here. Like, I, as I do every year, I, I made a real effort to see all of the best picture nominees. Women Talking was maybe the least popular. Yeah. In the last month, I was checking Showtimes regularly. It was not playing in Denver, like mm-hmm. at all. Right. It was drive down to Colorado Springs or up to Longmont or wait and hope that it comes to streaming. Right. And maybe the Mayan would have been a place that would have showed a, a movie like Women Talking.
2: Correct. So it's I think there's a lot of sides to that and, and a lot of issues. And it begs a bigger conversation about how the film industry works because some of these theaters are also... Beholding to what, uh, what studios and distributors are willing to give them, hmm. and so it's not necessarily that the movie theater individually is going to make a choice, and then they're going to get rich, and and everyone's happy. Uh, but then it also, like you said, creates a, this this gap in some of the greatest movies that that are coming out that you'll probably never be able to see. And you know, we were t- joking a little bit about the Mayans theaters seating mm-hmm. and how un- uncomfortable it is. I really believe that these theaters. Should have these differences, right? I don't go to the Mayan to to recline and have a my seated, you know, my heated seats mm-hmm. and enjoy a Marvel movie. I think that theater serves us a different purpose, right? But I'll go see Cocaine Bear this week at the AMC and have a ball. That's a great blockbuster film. These theaters have a little bit of a different vibe, yeah. right? And it's part of the bigger conversations of a lot of movies coming out on streaming. What's gonna get me out of the house as a regular, regular person in Colorado? I want to see this movie. Why would I go to a movie theater and pay 15 plus dollars?
1: Yeah. What type of experience is actually appealing for the modern movie going audience? Right. That's the big question. Is it, are people interested in those, the heated seats at the Regal and the big blockbusters? Are they interested in more of the art house experience or maybe something like the Alamo where they're super strict about phones and they'll (laughs) deliver you a cheeseburger in the middle of the movie? I don't know, what, what do you prefer? What do you tend to go to more often, Adrian?
2: I'm personally a film nerd. I, I love independent films. I love an international film. Uh, shout out to EO this year, if you've ever seen Polish films. I love to sit and cry and ponder and don't tell me how the ending works. And <laughs> I want to be challenged. I'm one of those those snobs. But I also love going to the Alamo and going to an AMC. I think, again, they all serve its own purpose. And it doesn't matter what you're into. You should have an avenue to enjoy that in a comfortable way, in an accessible way. Uh, and I think to me, this is an issue that's similar to the music industry. The music industry is some, is an industry that let itself stay in its old ways for far too long. And then streaming came along. We were all downloading, say. <laughs> illegal, <laughs> illegally downloading stuff on Livewire. Mm-hmm. And now you have Spotify and now it creates all these different issues. You know, I think the, the film industry is in a in a similar, on a similar track mm-hmm. to stay in its old ways for far too long and then have something like streaming come along and, and really kind of not only disrupt the way that the industry works, but disrupt the way that we're able to enjoy our our favorite movies.
1: Yeah. And And it's having these effects all over the city. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we have two news stories here. One, Regal theaters are closing across the country as a result of some bankruptcy filing they made last year that was in part caused by the pandemic and this rise of streaming. So we are no longer going to have the South Glen Stadium 14 and Centennial or the Meadows Stadium 12, uh, just south of the Mall and Lone Tree. And then this next one hurt me a little bit more. Uh, Me too. Elvis Cinemas, the longtime second-run movie house chain, they started playing first-run movies in the last few years. They announced recently that they are closing for good.
2: Yeah. Sad. Heartbreaking, man. That was one of the few places you can go and pay under $10. and It, was, it just felt like a great community. We were all there as as film lovers. Um, really sad news. Yeah.
1: Do you think that there's any space? I mean, I guess this, this shows that maybe no more space left in this movie landscape for a second-run theater chain. That just might be a relic of the past now.
2: I mean that's a that's an interesting thought. I I disagree. I think I'm I'm a little I'm, I you'd might be biased, out, but I'm go
1: out for a second run movie. I'm very a... hopeful,
2: but I'm also not every coloradan. I think mm. you know I, I I see the film industry as a whole different monster. I think I'm, I'm involved. I'm reading the news. I was in the industry for a little bit. I go to these festivals. Mm. Um, you know, I'll be here at the Jewish Film Festival this weekend when it kicks off on Saturday. Uh, I don't think a lot of folks are going to sit there and go let me let me watch the second run of. You know, uh, uh, just random movies or whatever it may be. So I don't know. I think it's a it's a good thought. Maybe that's the case. I'm a little too hopeful, maybe.
1: Well <laughs> I hope you're right. I, I don't know. I honestly can't imagine going to see a second run movie like you know, right. after it's already hit the streaming service, it's a theater that's like a little bit less nice, a little bit less good food, a little bit <laughs> less of everything and the picture's a little bit less good and I don't know. I don't I haven't wanted to do that in a long time, although I do have nostalgia for it. I remember yeah. enjoying movies like that as a kid quite often, that second-run experience.
2: Yeah, but nostalgia alone cannot, cannot sustain an entire industry, so lots of work to be done there.
1: Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Let me just one more time thank the Jewish Community Center for hosting us during their Sadaka for Kids fundraiser. Um, Again, we'll have the link to that fundraiser if you'd like to contribute in our show notes. This is a two-day-long effort to raise money for the Robert E. Loop Scholarship Fund, which provides financial aid for families in the JCC's ELS programs and premier summer camps. Adrian Gonzalez, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Paul. That was fun. Fun talking movies.
2: Yeah, a lot of fun.
1: Bring on, bring on the curtains. <laughs> Cut. And hey, if you're as excited about the Academy Awards this Sunday as me and Adrian, you're invited to join our official CityCast Denver Oscars pool. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, then you can make your own predictions, check out ours, and we'll see who wins bragging rights come Sunday night. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Shane Boris about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Welcome back to CityCast Denver. I'm Paul, and I'm here with our newsletter, Adrian. uh...
2: (laughs) Newsletter, Adrian. God,
1: jeez. Let me just start again. (laughs)